a very oh no can it be it is it's the baghdad bear hold hold on there's more Everyone, this is simply amazing. Right next to the Baghdad battery are the Dropa Stones. Oh my god. Hello, and welcome to episode four of our second season of Crack Encrypteds and Curios. This is once again Matt, joined by the one and only Angel, the man of count them, 1,004 hobbies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Angel, right before we started recording, you were telling me of something new you just started doing. That's right. We all know fantasy sports are super popular. Fantasy football, baseball, the whole gamut. But you are bringing it to a whole nother level just fantasy athlete a game where all athletes are able to be drafted and week by week they get points on things from their personal lives personal style beard and hair upkeep how many millions they're worth that sort of thing so how's that been going it's you know it's just standard i mean it you you're hyping it up for something more than it really is but it's just something i do on the side you know it's just a little thing you know just keeping up with my stats and all I got to ask, who's the go-to athlete of the year of 2020? The thing is, the way I do it with athletes is because I've broken the rules by just including all the athletes of every sport ever. I've also included past athletes as well. So it, and they're in their in their prime. Oh, OK. Yeah. So <laughs> so so even if they're not playing anymore. Yeah, that's right. They uh, they're still they're still on the table to be drafted. That, that's exactly right. Who I mean, I need I need you to spill the beans. <laughs> who's who's your go-to athlete? Well, right now it's Serena Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But right right underneath her is, you know who it is. It's Michael Jordan. <laughs> I mean, he sells a lot of shoes. Yep, he sells a lot of shoes. He's got style. He uh, also loses a lot of money betting and, and gambling. And he, so and he gets double points because he also played other sports. <laughs> You know, baseball he, and golf. He played baseball and golf, and he helped Bugs Bunny. I mean, <laughs> That's right. When I join the league next year, I'm going to try to snipe uh, Michael Jordan from you. Try to try to get him on my team. Good luck with that, because David Beckham <laughs> is coming up quick. <laughs> David Beckham? Yep. I mean, his his hair game, he gets a lot of points. The beard is always on, on point. Yep. The hair is always cut. He has very nice clothes. He owns nice jackets. I also take into so, yeah, I take into account their their um there's business skills, you know, outside of mm -hmm. outside of athleticism, you know, what they do in their daily lives, what they eat, mm -hmm. you know, how they live their life. He he married a spice that's girl. That's right. He, so that's got to be points. The posh one. <laughs> the poshest of them. Yep. <laughs> of all spices, the posh one. So well, I'm glad you're having fun with it. It sounds like it's a truly a joyful thing for you. <laughs> I, also, I also ranked them based on how many of them have appeared on Wheaties boxes. Yeah. Well, that's 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 a deep dive into the into the league points, the Wheaties box points. I have so many Excel sheets. 
I don't know what to do anymore. I'm drowning in them. Please. All, help all me. I gotta say is is back up that data. You don't want a malfunctioning hard drive to ruin. I have three different Google accounts just to keep up. <laughs> gotta keep getting that free Google Drive space. <laughs> they haven't they haven't been able to track down all of your all of your accounts. No, I use a VPN. Well, maybe I take that back. It sounds more like a, a addiction that you're fighting. <laughs> so, some of my Excel sheets are mining Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. Well, hopefully it's you doing the mining and not somebody the else. The athlete game has gone away from me. <laughs> I'll take a moment. Let's Let's gather ourselves. And get to the matter at hand. <laughs> this episode of Baghdad Battery and the Dropa Stones. <laughs> the stupidest hobby. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus Cristo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go, Angel. Curiosity has struck us once again. As the old saying goes, fool me once, can't fool me again. <laughs> because now... <laughs> Fool me once, can't fool me again, because now I'm curious. Pretty sure that's how it goes. I heard that a lot in college. <laughs> Last time, it was cursed paintings. This time, we are looking at what is known as the Baghdad battery, and then a separate item, the Dropa Stones. I know licking batteries is an old pastime of yours, so let's see if licking a 2200-year-old clay pot that has... <laughs> Some historians believing it's the oldest battery ever found it gives you that same buzz. You just stole my theory. <laughs> of licking batteries. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> this is Cotton Eye Joe's Razor, the axiom that states for something to have gone from somewhere, it must therefore go somewhere. So, Angel... I put you on the spot the last few episodes with some pop quizzes. Yep, yep. This is like the day in class where you walk in and the teacher starts passing out paper and everyone's looking around like, oh no, what's this? And now you got a quiz on the reading that was assigned last night that you did not do. Mm -hmm. So pop quiz hotshot. The Baghdad batteries are said to have been created around 200 BCE. So for our curiosities out there, could you give them just a quick summary of life in the Fertile Crescent from the year 10,000 BC, when humans began to experiment and cultivate with grains and cereals up to 200 BCE. Well, the sun was a lot less hot back then. <laughs> so people, you know, they they didn't need they didn't need umbrellas or as we call them parasols. <laughs> Did you say they didn't eat umbrellas? <laughs> need them. <laughs> No need to. <laughs> they also didn't eat them because why would you? <laughs> well, I don't know. Eight thousand years ago, maybe they ate them. <laughs> well, it was even longer than that. <laughs> Twelve thousand years ago. I'm sorry though, but that's the incorrect answer. The answer I was looking for is the Epic of Gilgamesh. <laughs> In the late 1930s, the director of the National Museum of Iraq 
Wilhelm Koenig brought to the world's attention a small collection of clay pots. The pots, about six inches in length, uh, so able to be held in one hand, were rather non-descriptive. An iron rod poked out the top of a bitumen stopper, bitumen or asphalt. The use of bitumen goes back to at least 5000 BCE and was used for waterproofing, mortar for bricks and stones, and ship caulking. Inside the pot was a copper cylinder, and that was sealed at the bottom with a crimped in copper disc and more asphalt. So why this idea of it being a battery? For better or worse, this entire thing really reminds me of John Russell, who was behind much of the fake lore that went out about the Piazza about uh, 200 years before Wilhelm and his batteries. Wilhelm, in his days in Iraq, had seen jewelers using a similar style device for electroplating, which is a process of plating one metal onto another by hydrolysis. So like putting gold, a gold coating on top of silver. Wilhelm ends up writing a paper concluding that these pots have to be some sort of ancient battery and maybe by connecting multiple, you could really get some juices flowing and power something quite big. So testing on the inside of the pot indicated some sort of acidic agent, which was probably vinegar or wine. Reconstructions have been attempted over the years and showing promising support for Wilhelm's theory. One, including using grape juice as an acidic electrolyte solution to generate a current, and it ended up producing between half of a volt to two volts. So, Angel, get on your old battery-licking pants, because we're going to theory town. Okay. Beyond Wilhelm's electroplating theory, we have some goodies out there on what people have speculated that this little pot was for. The first one I have entitled the ouchies theory. Some academics believe it was used as an analgesic or something used to relieve pain. There is some relation in history for electricity as a pain reliever. Ancient Greeks used electric eels to help with headaches and migraines and also to numb feet to aid in relieving of gout pains. What do you think about this one, Angel? Batteries or eels for pain relief? I'm just wondering how the Greeks even found out about the electric eels. Like, I just... I just, I always hear about how an electric eel if can, you know, make your hand get blown off if you stick it, stick your hand in the water with it. I can blow your hand yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. I, I heard, I, it's science. I heard it. <laughs> I read it somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> just melts away. Yeah. I don't know how the Greeks said, oh, let's just pick this fish up and it's not going to hurt us. And now let's put our feet on it. <laughs> and then how do they, how do they control it? Like they just know it's going to. Do its thing? I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, I guess you just piss off the eel enough, and then it helps you. <laughs> it relieves your pain or gives you more pain. I, I think I think the principle behind that is you get the pain from this, the eel, and you forget about the other pain you got. In comparison, an eel can generate 600 volts, so you would need between 300 to 1,200 Baghdad batteries to have a comparable voltage. I think it's doable. The next theory that we have is called uh, something I've titled the humans are too stupid theory. So this probably isn't going to go the way that you think, Angel. <laughs> this on. theory is that humans couldn't have made a battery around 2,200 years ago. Ancient aliens gave the tech to humans, <laughs> and it could have been used specifically to help generate light and passages while creating things like the Great Pyramids. So how about this one, Angel? Aliens? You know what? I believe it. 
Might as well. <laughs> I mean, if it can't be explained, then it's got to be aliens, right? The hard thing about this is that the Great Pyramids of Giza were made at least another 2,000 years before this, uh, before the, the time that these items have been dated to. Also, these are called the Baghdad Batteries, and the last time I checked, the Pyramids of Giza were not in Baghdad. And with no indication these have ever been found elsewhere... Also, no, not aliens. <laughs> so I don't, I don't like that theory. Nope. This one is called the closer to the gods theory. The idea behind this theory is that the batteries could charge up some sort of statue so that it maybe generated a humming noise or the energy in it made it unique to the touch. So therefore, that extra sensory feedback gave a closer religious connection. Any thoughts, Angel? Uh, that sounds a little bit better, but I, I think it's much simpler than that. The final theory I have is called, What Was Wilhelm Koenig's Smoking Theory? Some academics vehemently reject the battery theory and believe the objects are related to burial rites at the time. The idea being one pot would be put in each corner of the grave. Papyrus scrolls were found in some of them and had deteriorated, and that could have actually been the organic material left behind that they thought was electrolyte solution. I believe two of the pots did not have the iron rod in them when they were uncovered so it's possible they all could have had different purposes also there have been no indications of wires that could have connected the batteries or even with the way that it was constructed if the current could even be connected to a wire so thoughts on is it even a battery theory angel well the problem the thing i have against this theory is that they 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 kind of made the, the this correct conclusion that, that it was used in the burial rites, but then they go off in a different direction that doesn't make sense. Like to me, I it's like oh, it, you put it at two ends of the of the coffin. It's like that's a battery, guys. Come on. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like you have a theory. Well, I initially had the theory of licking batteries, but you mentioned it several times. And it was then that I realized it wasn't licking batteries. Now, just so I can elaborate a little further, I figured I'd explain the licking battery theory. It just so happens that those, the, the, the container probably had a mixture of those, um, uh, the metals and, and the acetic, um, electrolyte solution. And it was maybe by chance that the people, uh, felt something and they're like hey what's this and then they decided to put their lips to it and got a fun little buzz from it and that they just pass it around to uh with each other just you get a little buzz the so-called communal battery yeah yeah exactly (laughs) but clearly that's too simplistic in fact i've i've reworked the theory well, by reworked, I mean, I've come up with a new one. <laughs> that, uh, the burial rites one, it just rings true to me. But the difference is that placing the, 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 the Baghdad battery, so-called battery, on each end of the coffin is its own special kind of battery. It will generate an electromagnetic field. Um, okay, so we're getting into some EMFs. <laughs> that's right. I don't know if you remember this name uh, of a man named Alex Chu 
from I do not <laughs> long do not. long ago, 1999 to be exact. Oh, I thought it was from our show. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, he's. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say he's John Sider, but no. Um, he was on. He was even featured. Could be. <laughs> well, may, may, you know what? He might be, especially when I tell you why. Because he was. He was even interviewed on the John Stewart show back when it was doing it. Um, it's a thing. The what was it? The, da- mm-hmm. the Daily Show. The Daily Show. So Alex Chu, he invented. These magnetic rings that you put on your finger, and then it gives you immortality. Okay. (laughs) Tell me more. Uh, I'm reading the website right now. His website, which looks like it has not changed since 1999, says, When placing the magnetic devices, the magnetic pole on the right side of the human body is opposite to the left side. I don't know what that means. With an opposite pole on each side of the human body, blood circulation and electric current of the body are enhanced. Okay. The en- I'm, I'm, you got me. I'm still going. <laughs> the enhanced blood circulation and electric current increase met- metabolism in order to fight the aging process. Simple as that. In fact, he he really believes in his invention that he's still making videos to this day Posting on YouTube, I think, and showing how it, these things work. He's like, look at me at 2020 compared to my my picture from 1998. And, you know, I've, I've watched a few of the videos. And I'm like, he looks older. I don't understand what he's trying to prove. <laughs> I mean, maybe he thinks he stole the mantle of immortality from Santa Claus. <laughs> but but it's, it gets even better because... He has a patent on this, and he, he also kind of shows you how to do these uh, devices on your own because he doesn't want to make – he's not trying to make a business. He's trying to help everyone. He wants everyone to live forever, and he even tells you yeah. how to make these things. But if you want to buy them, he's selling them for – I don't know if he's still selling them for $16, but that's how much he was selling them back then. Dang, $16 for immortality? That's right. That's a steal. It is a steal. However – the other day, I watched a, a, a video on YouTube, and apparently this is a thing. I'd never heard of this. There's a kind of a a hack for growing, for gardening. And people say that if you put uh, magnets in the soil, that your plants will grow even more uh, beautiful. They'll grow faster. They they say because, you know, the plants, plants use the electromagnetic fields of the earth to help them grow. So the theory is if you put magnets in the soil, it will just work even better. So I watched the video on YouTube, which essentially tried to test this out. You know, he uh, he had two pots uh, soil in them. He put the same kind of seeds. One of them had the magnets. One of them didn't. And it was... It was very stark, the difference between the two after they grew. The ones with magnets did not germinate at all. (laughs) Whoops. Whoops. (laughs) Whereas the other ones were beautiful plants. It was like two weeks, I think. And so I'm wondering if that's what's happening with Alex Chu's magnets. And that's why he looks so much older than he should be, I think, in those videos. Are they killing him? <laughs> I'm not saying that, but, you know. And I'm thinking maybe with the Baghdad battery, they had the same idea. They thought magnets would make you live longer. And then now the maybe they thought it would bring the person back to life. But it's just rotting them faster, I think. 
no. It decomposes the corpse faster. <laughs> or maybe that's what they wanted. Who knows? Yeah. Well, maybe we need General Electric to get back onto that time machine so we can go back to 2200 BCE and find out what the hell is going on. <laughs> so where exactly have the Baghdad batteries gone? Unfortunately, we aren't quite sure. It seems that in the looting of the museum in 2003, they were simply stolen along with about 10,000 other items. Jeez. So some dude is probably out there with the Baghdad battery sitting on his mantelpiece, powering things one volt at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just do it. The rubric of power for the Baghdad battery. Where are you sitting for the lore of this curious item? Based on what you've told me about the Baghdad battery is exactly what I found on my own doing my own research. Which it's a good thing. Well, it's it's a good thing and a bad thing because that. But yeah, it seldom happens. That means because that means that there's very little divergent opinion. There's no backstory. Nobody's coming up with wild theories about this thing, other than it was a battery or it wasn't a battery, and that's it. So it's I gave a one for lore. Yeah, it's very binary. <laughs> it seems yeah. in, in in research. Yeah, I was I'm in the same spot. The lore surrounding it is really the idea that we just don't know what the hell it is. And a lot of my research just saw people saying, "Yeah, it's a battery," and then the other ones, you know, or as far as the battery, they're just going on Wilhelm's conclusion yeah. of it being a battery, like taking it as fact. And then everyone else is like, "Eh, I don't think it's a battery." And then you know, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um. And so even if it was a battery, uh, there is no defined purpose for it. Like, there's nothing that tells us simply this is what it was for. Mm -hmm. That's just something that's going to be, I think, lost to history forever. So I, as well, gave it for lore a one. Now, how about properties? I'm, I'm interested because this is only our second item that we've uh, run through the rubric of power. So there might even be some conflicting opinions on <laughs> what the rubric of power, even these categories even stand for. <laughs> so the properties of the Baghdad battery. I'm taking into account the fact that it's, it may not have been used as a battery back in the day, but the fact of the matter is that w William, what's his name? Wilhelm. Will, Wilhelm. So Mr. Koenig noticed, made the observation that, hey, the materials in there can be used to be, uh, make a battery and generate electricity and that is the the thing that gets me i that is i'm like who cares what these people use it for the fact that so many people are now i mean there's a youtube video of a guy that's got like 17 terracotta pots on his table all hooked up <laughs> with a wire just to show that it does work to light up a tiny little led light and that's amazing <laughs> I give it a two. It's adequate. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> but why? Why light? Why light? Why use that many terracotta pots to light something that small? You know, I just no don't get it. Novelty. <laughs> I guess. Hipsters. <laughs> that damn fertile crescent. Some crazy <laughs> shit going on there. So for the properties, uh, I I took a look at it compared to the first entity that we looked at, the cursed paintings. Like it's not cursed, so that's good. <laughs> But then it really doesn't have anything special about it. Yeah. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that makes it uh, grander 
than itself. Uh, it just may have been a battery. It may not have been a battery. <laughs> I give the properties actually a zero. Whoa. <laughs> Functionality and purpose of the Baghdad battery. We might be differing here as well. <laughs> yep. Yep. I gave it a three. <laughs> I gave it a three because it's a battery. <laughs> It doesn't matter if it wasn't used as a battery. We've got batteries. These are important. I want batteries in my life. <laughs> I could totally use this in, you know, in as uh, for powering everything in my. I mean, I'm not going to use the Baghdad version of it with one <laughs> volt. <laughs> but, you know, its purpose, which I'm stating is as a battery. <laughs> and, you know, long life and immortality. <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about that uh, that only gets you a three in your book yeah, yeah. long life and immortality yeah, i mean that's that's you know it's yet to be seen mm, yeah <laughs> it has yet to be proven <laughs> the the way i looked at it you know maybe it was a battery maybe it was just a pot that held scrolls or maybe it was just used as an item for a, a burial ritual all are valid purposes of an item of its caliber so because of that, I gave its functionality and purpose a two. It's adequate. Yeah. It, it does something. <laughs> it's just not, you know, the greatest object of all time. <laughs> How about the craftsmanship of these items? Craftsmanship, just like any other uh, Stone Age pot or clay material or anything, I give it a two. It's, it's as good as it's going to get, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the way I looked at it, the, the actual pot is very plain and really just non-descriptive. Yeah. If it is a battery, that would be pretty cool that it was created so long ago. Truly, it would be. It's a, you know, something that I think we talk about this a lot in the show, that ancient peoples aren't given the fair shake <laughs> that they deserve for their ingenuity and things like that. Yeah. But, however, if it was a battery, it just clearly, you know, never really took off as an item of value, as there really aren't, that we've been able to find, any others. So if it, if it was being used as a battery... I guess it wasn't wide, widespread enough to have meaningful value. Yeah. So for craftsmanship, just because I think of its, its plainness and nondescriptiveness, uh, I give it a one. Fair. And our final category for the Baghdad battery, desirability. It, it sounds like it's very desirable for you. <laughs> I got to tell you, I want it. Whoever stole it, please <laughs> yeah. just give it to me. Putting like a uh, a wanted poster out for the Baghdad battery. Yeah, I'm seeking it out, man. I want to have 15 of those things powering up the lights in my house. <laughs> the Christmas tree lights. <laughs> yes. I gave it a four, man. Oh, my. Wow, it is very desirable. I'm telling you. I was not expecting a four for the Baghdad battery <laughs> desirability category. For me, it, you know, it was stolen from the Iraqi museum. But that could have also just been the person had no idea what it was and was just looting for the sake of looting. But it has made some blips on the strange items radar since the 1930s. So I'm sure somebody out there would pay a good sum of money for it. Specifically, you yeah. would probably you know pay a small fortune. I'm actually talking to, to a this... guy right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> negotiating a price. You're on the black market. Wow. <laughs> Don't tell the, In the dark web. <laughs> They're getting the Baghdad battery. I've also hired uh, somebody to hunt some pigs. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. 
Yeah. Feral pigs will be clear on that. Yes. <laughs> That's what you're hunting. Desirability, I gave it a two. I mean, it's seems to be a adequate thing that people want. So for my scores, I've totaled up to a six. How about you on your end? I got a 12. So with the new up-to-date algorithm for the uh, rubric of power collector's edition my memory goes <laughs> far back enough to remember what it's called uh the baghdad battery gets a score of a nine which is remarkable <laughs> simply remarkable for the baghdad battery good job it is baghdad battery not good enough to surpass cursed paintings but a a good a good fight in a little battery that could <laughs> Any final words for the Baghdad battery? Hopefully the Baghdad bar- battery can make its way home to me. Um, yep. Listen, I don't know what happened, but I'm thinking there's something else to it. Because I feel an extreme pull or draw to this thing. And I know you're listening, Mr. Battery or Mrs. I don't know what you are, but you need to come to my place immediately. You're like magnets that are just being pulled <laughs> towards each other. It's the it's the EMFs. <laughs> it's the off the charts. <laughs> With that being said about the Baghdad battery, let's change our focus onto the other item of topic for this episode, that of the Dropa Stones. Ooh, exciting. What I've found, Angel, so far is that the Dropa Stones are allegedly a series of over 700, yes, yeah, 700 circular stone discs, each about a foot in diameter, that dates back to at least 12,000 years ago. Engraved on the discs are exceedingly tiny pictographs or hieroglyphs of unknown origins. They are said to be so small that they can only be seen clearly with a magnifying glass. So, Angel, we have stone etchings so fine, hardly discernible by eye, by the naked eye, yet they are said to depict symbols that relate to some language, some, some sort of proto-language what do you think could be used to make such a finely detailed etching so long ago lasers powered by the Baghdad battery <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> where exactly have the dropa stones come from so let me be clear because there seems to be major differing stories on where these circular stones came from or even who made them and within each of these stories, there are some differing accounts on, of what actually happened. So I've compiled what I think is a, a, a reasonable amalgamation of those stories. So allegedly, it began in the year 1938 in the country of China. During an archaeological expedition in the mountains between China and Tibet, a cache of circular stone objects were found. It wasn't clear exactly what their purpose was, but the historic find of something like this was accompanied with something even more odd. With the discs were a series of graves which contained skeletons that of four feet in length and had oddly large shaped skulls. Hmm. So we have one option, I think. Get Indiana Jones on the case, (laughs) Angel. Indiana Jones from uh, the fourth movie. Yep, the old one. <laughs> Unfortunately, Harrison Ford wasn't available. Our hero of this story comes about 30 years later in the form of Professor Sum Um Nui. In a matter of four years, Sum claimed to have deciphered the Dropa Stones and translated an absolutely incredible story. 
the stones detailed the saga of a spaceship that crashed into the mountainside and stranded its people, the Dropa. With this discovery, Soom then published his findings in a journal in 1962, but to his dismay, was completely rejected by his academic peers. He was ridiculed and forced out of his job, eventually needing to flee to a different country, to Japan, where he finished his life in obscurity. I have one question for you, though, Angel. Sort of unrelated, but put yourself in Soom's shoes. You are exiled for a dumb theory. Where do you go to live in obscurity? Japan. <laughs> You're just going to the same place? Is that the land of exile? Of course. <laughs> just live there amongst the kawaii people and uh, read your manga nobody's, no, your animes. Nobody's going to question me being there. Like, oh, he belongs. That's, they'll be like, that's just Angel. <laughs> Let me tell you about his 1,005 hobbies. And then they, <laughs> they're they gonna, go on and They're going to love me there with my uh, making those shiny dirt balls. <laughs> yes, you would. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot more Japanese athletes to find out about and to yep. draft for your league. <laughs> so it isn't clear exactly how, but around the same time that Sum published his work, these stones made their way to Moscow for additional study. A Russian scientist by the name of W. Zaitsev put the tablets under a rigid set of tests and found some quite astonishing results. The stones consisted of granite, cobalt, and some other metals, uh, which would indicate that it would have been extremely difficult for any primitive peoples to have carved anything into them. When tested with an oscillograph, the uh, scientist concluded the disks had at some point in time been electrically charged or used as electrical conductors. So what do you think of everything so far, Angel? We have a Chinese professor deciphers a unknown language from these stones somehow, writes a paper on it, is lamb-blasted by the, uh, his peers, has to flee the country uh, in humiliation. The stone tablets make their way to Russia. A Russian scientist puts them under an oscillograph and, you know, finds out that maybe... They were electrically charged. I just can't wait to find out where they're at now so that we can learn more about them. It's, you know, funny that you ask that because clearly over 700 stone discs mm -hmm. from 12,000 years ago would have been, and I am confident in saying this, one of the most major archaeological finds in history. That is a huge number of similar objects to find. Well... Apparently, in 1994, a pair of German scientists went to China in an effort to research the stones. When they inquired about them, the director of the museum that they were being housed at had told them that all these stones had been destroyed at the behest of the Chinese government, hmm. and that indeed no record of them existed at all. Is this the same Chinese government that destroyed the fleet of ships so that there is no evidence that they visited the states? Why do they keep doing this? We need answers. <laughs> they, they do these things and then just destroy the record. They're doing this on purpose. They, they want people to go crazy and be like, well, there's no evidence of it. And they're like, yes, there isn't any. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. But this is also where the story of the Dropa Stones sort of sours. In efforts to retrace where the stones came from, 
anthropologists have looked at the original mountains, uh, mountainous landscape that these stones were found. See, it is said that the cave itself, where they were found, was said to have been carved out of what resembled an almost perfectly square space. So reports indicated that excavators believed these stones were not carved by hand, but with such accuracy that only something like a strong laser beam or heat source could have made you know, the entire cave like that. So there had to have been a huge power source that would have allowed for the like, almost terraforming of this cave, of the mining of this cave. Along with that, anthropologists have looked into the histories of the peoples that currently live there, the Ham and the, yes, the Dropa. So the race of the Dropa isn't exactly clear, as they aren't quite Chinese or Mongolian or any other race from that area. They have large heads, like that of the skeletons that were found in the original 1938 dig, very little hair on their body, large eyes, and anywhere between the heights of three and a half to four and a half feet tall. So this all sounds absolutely astonishing, right, Angel? It does. What are your thoughts so far on the reports of the anthropological studies of the Ham and the Dropa, you know? Well, I mean... These, like, hairless, big-headed, big-eyed people. I just don't understand why I've never heard of this. I mean, this should be on the news every single day for... Since I've been alive, really, I mean, I I want to see these people. Where are they? I don't. This has like uh like undercurrents of like alien human hybridization <laughs> in the mountains of China. <laughs> yeah. Like what the hell is going on? <laughs> so it is, I would say, astonishing. As the best of my ability, the entire story of the Dropa stones, the Chinese professor who translated it, the Russians, the Germans, the cave itself the Ham and the current day peoples, even the anthropologists going to the area to investigate those peoples, it is all simply made up. There is not a single shred of evidence to support any of this story. What? And, and yes, believe it or not, Ripley's believe it or not, there is no evidence. We need Dean Kane to, <laughs> to follow through on this. I was unable to find any evidence to back up any of this story how about you i i don't what i want to know is how did this happen like yeah. <laughs> where's the story like this come where from? did you, who originated this why chinese then then the russian and then the german like what did this happen was this all one guy mm -hmm. telling the story or was it just tacked on as a, as part of the hoax like where did it come from? Yeah, all I can think of is it's like the idea of these so these two foreign governments getting involved with each other about these mysterious stone tablets. Like it's a perfect scenario of like putting mistrust into other governments. Like like there has to be some truth, some like sliver of truth to the story that these countries are colluding and just hid the evidence of the Dropa you know, of, of the spacecraft that crashed there 12,000 years ago. I don't know. But there's no evidence of it. There's absolutely none. that has, Maybe that has survived the Chinese government, but I don't think so. I think, you know, the, the whole story of where they originated from, I think what's more fascinating, and it kind of mirrors what's going on, is 
where did the story of the Dropa Stones come from? That's what I want to mm-hmm. want to find out. Yeah, it's like more intriguing than the story itself is like where's who's the original <laughs> teller of this story? Uh-huh. And that I I was not able to track down. The only things that I was able to find some relation to was the author of almost like the Holy Bible to a lot of ancient astronaut theorists out there, the Chariots of the Gods book, which goes back to, I think, to the late 1960s. I think that was might have been one of the first tellings of the Dropa Stones, so possibly if it was just made up to fill the pages of that book, I don't know. And then another one being Sun Gods in Exile, I believe came out in the late 1970s, about 10 years later. I don't have a source for it. I can't remember where I read it, but I do faintly believe reading that the author of it, David Gaiman, ended up saying that a lot of it was like his best work of fiction. He just he just made it all up. Yep. So I, I wish I can't find a copy of the book, but I wish I could because I'd like to know if all of the Chinese, Russian, German stuff is in there or if that was also not in there because then it goes back to the whole where did that part of the story come from are we just being thrown off the trail <laughs> we just think maybe it's sun gods in exile but we can't get a hold of the book uh-huh. we can't confirm it so this is another thing that doesn't exist as far as i can tell <laughs> oh no <laughs> get it on amazon for six hundred dollars used <laughs> jeez I wonder if this David A. Gaiman guy even exists as well. This, this whole thing is one giant hoax. Rearrange those letters, Angel. What do you get? <laughs> Carl Shooker. <laughs> so why don't we jump into the second rubric of power this episode, the rubric of power for the Dropa Stones. So I'm interested uh, on your take here for, for all of it. So let's start right at the top with the lore. I got to admit, the lore for this one was, I don't know if I'm biased because I just finished the Baghdad battery, but because it's got, you know, a story behind a Chinese person finding them and translating the language on them and then being laughed at that he left in exile and then the (laughs) Russians look studying them and, and coming up with these properties of the Dropa Stones. And then the the Austrian guy, and it's just a whole, yep. th- this, these stones are traveling. Well, I was going to say all over the world, but mostly the old world. And then there's like uh, this people in Tibet that I guess they're the, the, the originators of them, but they're not human or at least they're not described as human. <laughs> they're like aliens and they're hairless. They're hairless people <laughs> they're with a- big heads and eyes. Um, I gave it a 2.5. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this is, this is all the stones have is the lore <laughs> and it's an out of this world, extraordinary story. And it is one of those stories that you you know you, you want it to be true because it's so compelling. Decoded alien discs from a ship that crashed 12,000 years ago. <laughs> I mentioned Indiana Jones earlier because this could all literally be the next Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, I just believe this all to be fake. There are implications that the, you know, the Dropa mixed with and formed some sort of hybrid that is still out there today. It's like some X-Files 
stuff going on. Yep. Like there's so many layers to this convoluted story. <laughs> and I I gave the lore a three. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how about the the properties? I it's a tough category. I think the new intellect intelligence of its kind, the properties <laughs> of the Dropa Stones. Yeah, so this is where just where it all goes downhill. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Other than the story, the lore, I mean, what are they supposed to do? <laughs> like, there's never been any mention of what they're actually done. It's like, the, I think the main draw behind them is that they're so mysterious. Ooh, mm-hmm. and they emit electricity or something, but we don't really know their purpose. Like, okay, that's great. One. You're more generous than I. <laughs> So they're, they're, you know, they're said to be finely crafted stone discs that could have, you know, as you said, one time have been electrically charged, but uh, I don't know. They, they don't seem to have any innate abilities of themselves. There's nothing paranormal about them. They're just stone discs. Mm-hmm. I gave it a zero. Wow. How about functionality and purpose of the Dropa stones? <laughs> this goes with properties. I mean, they have no purpose from what we can tell. <laughs> you don't know what to do with them. I mean, I have got nothing else to say, man. Um, I gave it a one, but you know, yeah. (laughs) Again, more generous than I. (laughs) So for me, the way that I look at, they just tell the story of the Dropa, but I don't understand why they're on stone discs. (laughs) Like, why? Why take the time to etch their story into stone? Mm -hmm. They uh, they arrived on Earth in a spaceship. Like, why don't they have space age items that are able to record their story? <laughs> it makes no sense. Like, why are they using stone tablets to to do this? <laughs> it literally makes no sense to me why this is happening. So I, I gave the functionality and purpose of them like a, a zero. The, the, the aliens were, they're etching in stone. Come on. Like where's the sh- where's the ship? They could have etched into the the siding of the ship or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Zero. Zero zero zero. How about the craftsmanship of the Dropa Stones? I don't know who made them. I don't even know what they look like. <laughs> There's no pictures of them anywhere. Like, all this time, all these people ha- had these supposed stones that nobody thought to take pictures, which just furthers the idea that these things don't exist. No, the Chinese government, they destroyed, <laughs> they destroyed the evidence, it. Angel. They burned it all. <laughs> Man, if I'd have known that zeros were going to be a thing. <laughs> In game. Yeah, I gave it a one. <laughs> I, I This one, I, maybe I was a little sympathetic to the stones. It was a tough one for me. They said They're said to have been extremely intricate you know made with methods that would not have been available to the peoples of that time but then again like you said there's no actual proof so one part of the story that i omitted i believe it occurred in the 80s allegedly and i think it was the uh, you mentioned him briefly the austrian scientist so this austrian scientist goes to china to study them and he actually took photos of the dropa stones but he claimed the flash on the camera washed out the details of the hieroglyphs <laughs> so that they could not be seen. Of course. So really, all we have are pictures of a, a stone circle with a hole in the middle. It's like a stone donut. So still, no proof. 
And I mean, I suppose in this event, I maybe graded them on the idea of what they could be a circular granite stone. I mean, I guess there's some sort of craftsmanship in that and being able to etch pictures into it. I gave it a two. <laughs> wow. I gave it something, a two. Wow. And finally, the desirability of the Dropa Stones. <laughs> well, these things are great. I love them so much. <laughs> Even more so than the Baghdad battery. <laughs> if they existed, I would definitely want one. Um, I think I also liked the fact that I gave all these other previous scores a bunch of ones to further emphasize the desirability on this one, which I gave a big fat zero. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the way I looked at it, there is so little desirability that they were destroyed. All, <laughs> like, 712 of the stones, someone said, these things effing suck. Destroy them. <laughs> and was it to hide the evidence of aliens being here? Or was it because they never existed in the first place? So <laughs> there was nothing to destroy <laughs> besides making up the story that they were destroyed. I gave it another zero. So for me, that adds up to a total for the Dropa Stones, a five. Wow. That's interesting. Where are you at for old Dropa? I think it's interesting because even though you gave them more zeros, I guess uh, your your sympathetic craftsmanship <laughs> upped it to a five. And the lower, the lower. Oh, the lower. Because my score adds up to a 4.5. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> so with the power of the, the algorithm of the rubric of power collector's edition, the Dropa Stones. Oh, wait, wait a second. I think I did my math wrong. Oh, Jesus. It's a 5.5. There we go. That makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> so scratch all that. <laughs> so entering my 5 and your 5.5 into the rubric of power collector's edition algorithm, we have... A score of for the Dropa Stones, an abysmal, and we're putting it into stone right now, etching it a 5.25. <laughs> Yikes. Let that be the, well, maybe not, because who knows if we encounter something worse. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, let that be a warning <laughs> to to other, oh, other alien-related <laughs> theories and items. No, let that be a warning to the aliens who give us crap artifacts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do it on stone, damn it. Do it on something better. And at least let them be indestructible, like your supposed spaceships. I, I mean, they could have just used their spaceship and cut it apart <laughs> and made their their tablets to etch in. Mm -hmm. It seems easier than making the stone circles. I don't know. Stone discs. <laughs> Maybe they were trying to, you know, not overwhelm the people that at the time. And they said, here, some stones. You guys are familiar with stones. The uh, one thing I did see in the research of it, there is in uh, in China a history of similar jade circle designs like this of of circle discs, and that that goes back in the, in the history of of Chinese culture, you know, many many centuries. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if that was like the whole thing of it just stemmed from that, and whoever created this this story just sort of took a piece of that and then said, well, now I'm doing aliens. <laughs> And then the rest was history. <laughs> Maybe. The thing is, I want to do something like this now. I just want to write a book, make it seem like it's <laughs> half real, and then just have people be like, did this really happen? And I just say, yeah, yeah. 
Sure. I mean, you just have to present enough evidence where it makes it difficult to look into, <laughs> but make it believable that those people existed. Yep. And then it's like, well, I guess it's true. <laughs> I'm not going to go to China to look up the teaching logs of the <laughs> of the academy where Soom was at to make to verify that he was a professor in the 1960s. Yep. I'm just going to say, sure, that's plausible, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then I'm going to continue reading your book. <laughs> but I guess inadvertently we made a Ancient Aliens Curious episode, and I don't know how I feel about that. For one thing, we can, I think... Our episode would be much better than Ancient Aliens because their conclusions are always it's aliens. And our conclusions are this is trash. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't aliens. It was it was demons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So any final words about the Dropa Stones that you want to etch into stone before we destroy them and it's never seen of again? Uh, yeah. I just... I have a something, a, a bit of a secret to kind of air out here. I actually have one of the Dropa Stones. <laughs> and I can confirm everything that's been said. There are writings on it that of, of a language that does not look like anything that's come from here, Earth. But also... I'm going to destroy the stone after this episode because I realize it's giving me too much power. This could fall in the wrong hands. You have to destroy yep. it. Yep. It's uh, this is exactly what's going to happen. Um but the thing is they can't be destroyed as easily as you think. Maybe that's the secret. It's not really stone. I'm talking to a guy, another guy, different guy. About getting the proper uh, tools to destroy this thing. And um, he's telling me he's he has a way. I don't really know if I trust him, but, you know, what can you do when you deal with the dark web? I mean, you have to get your hands clean of this drop of stone. <laughs> <laughs> By any means necessary, Angel. Well, I mean. And, and you know, I'm going to take a leap of faith and believe that you have this stone. <laughs> I mean, why would I lie about something like that? I don't know. It's nonsense to me that you would lie, so it has to be true. Mm -hmm. Must be true, because it is. I won't have it anymore, because it will be destroyed. Hopefully. Well, it will be out of my hands, so I, you know, I'll just wash my hands of that, and that'll be that. Hopefully. <laughs> the Dropa Stones, it is said, always find a way back home. <laughs> I've left that out of the story, too. Damn it. <laughs> it's the athletes. They're doing this to me. <laughs> oh, no. A new addiction has just been formed. <laughs> now you must collect the other 711 and destroy them all at once. <laughs> I left that out of the story, too. Unless you have all the stones, they cannot be destroyed. They're destroying my life, man. <laughs> well with that that's another episode of cracking cryptids and curios and another destructive element added to angel's life <laughs> so i hope you enjoyed our look into both the baghdad battery and the dropa stones uh two intriguing 
items of varying believability. We took a look at it. We rated them. It's in the bag. It's been etched in stone. I'm going to start converting all my stone etchings to metal etchings. Yeah. I'm just skipping wood, just going straight to metal. <laughs> Join us next time as we are back on the cryptid path and we are looking at the Hoogag. It is a moose like entity, I would say, that uh, is quite an oddity. And we'll see exactly what the Hoogag brings to the table and what its relation to the Great Lakes region is, and exactly um, what its story is. And as always, be sure to tweet at us at Cracking Curios with uh, any questions you have about the show, about cryptids, about the curios with hashtag CrackCryptids. You also may want to uh, tweet at Carl Shooker with the same hashtag so that we can see those questions because Carl Shooker has a lot of things he needs to answer to just saying you can also hit us up at uh, Instagram at cracking cryptids and you can send us email at cracking cryptids and curios at gmail.com drop of stones make that book <laughs> make that book what <laughs> make that buckle <laughs> <laughs> Make that buckle. Goddamn drop of stones. May God be with you. <laughs>